listening to Humanize Me with Bart Campolo. Well, hey, everybody, and welcome back to a long overdue question and answer episode with me and my partner, John Wright, the producer, originator, co-founder, all-around great guy of humanizing. <laughs> hey, Bart. Hey. Have you, have you ever listened to This American Life, John? Yeah, I love that. I love that uh, podcast. Um, I, I do. And I also love at the end of it where Ira Glass always uses a clip to make a joke about his co-founder, Troy Malatia. Oh, I, I, why have I never noticed that? So is it the end of every, every episode? Really? You've never noticed it? No, he, no, no, no. Yeah, he goes, he goes through the credits of the show, like, thank, you know, our producers are this and they say this. And thanks as always to our co-founder, Troy Malatia, um, who just the other day I was talking to about frogs and he said, and then they pull a random, not a random clip, they pull a clip out of the episode <laughs> and make it as though Troy Malatia is the one saying it, although you've just heard whoever it was really say it. So it's just, right. but it. <laughs> It's very that's funny. funny. That's yeah, good. no, that's great. It's, it's very funny. And but I was I was wondering, like, you know, Troy must not no longer be involved with the show. I it, they got to still be friends. If you're right. Troy Malati, you must listen every week and go like, what are they going to do to me this time? <laughs> right. Um, so anyway, <laughs> that's so funny. So someday, if you leave, if, if if you if you vanish in the ether, I will I will do right. You'll have to do. Something and thanks like as that. always, to John, yeah. John Ray. <laughs> so this is a Q and A. And I, I know you have a cue that you pulled from the Facebook. Page. Yeah, it's really, it's really simple. I can tell just, you it right now if you want. Yeah, let's, uh, let's just jump in on it because like, we don't have any other business to do, right? No. I, well, we, we probably do, but we can do it at another time. The I only think we thing should just I'm, jump in. I have one piece of business now that I okay. think about it. One thing is, is that we do have this question and answer phone line that nobody uses. And that's yeah, okay. Not, right. Not enough the, people use it. You're right. Not enough people use it. And, you know, I, I hope it doesn't cost us anything or very much to have a phone line. Because <laughs> if it does, it's really wasted money. Um, I, what I want to say is this, is that I think we're going to try something new in, uh, in, 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 this, in this academic year, starting in September. And that is... You know, I do a lot of coaching and, and sort of pastoral counseling with people all around right. the world, right? Mm -hmm. Most of whom find out about me through the podcast. Um, many of whom, I shouldn't say most. They, they come from a lot of different ways. But um, a lot of times what happens, John, is somebody will write and they'll say, this is what I want to talk about, or this is the issue. And I always offer people a free first consultation. Mm-hmm. I always say it's going to be a half hour. It almost always goes longer than that. I, you know, ostensibly the reason is to figure out if that person's going to feel comfortable talking with me, which is probably um, unnecessary because if they've heard me on the podcast, they already know oh, that's the way that guy talks. Like, mm -hmm. and I'm right. no different. I'm no different one on one. So, what, but but increasingly, what's happened is is that a lot of people realizing that that is there. Instead of sending an email with a question, they'll just be like, hey, can I set up a free consultation? I want to ask you something about this. Or I want to talk about something like this. And, and there's, there's the 
there's the openness or the possibility that they might want to actually enter into a, a working relationship. But in general, I think mo- both they and I know, hey, this is going to be a one-off. Right, right. And sometimes people are like, I want to get counseling. And I'm like, hey, why don't you just take the free consultation? Oftentimes, that's all it takes. Because a lot of times, we'll have this one conversation. And by the end of the person will go, hey, that was super helpful. That's the direction. I, that, I was stuck at this place. And that's a great idea. Or, oh, I'm going to go read that. And I'll let you know what to think of it. Or, mm-hmm. and, 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 and I have all these one-off conversations. Right. So what I'm going to do now is I'm basically going to say to people in our podcast audience, hey, if you have a question and rather than sending it in and having me me and John do a podcast about it, you just want to talk. You should send that question in. And then the only, the only thing is like, I'll call you and we'll talk about the question. I mean, it doesn't have to be like deep personal stuff about your inner life. It can, it can just be something you, you know, the kind of questions that we do on question and answer, but instead of doing them, you send an email, we do a podcast, maybe we'll just do a call and you'll be on the podcast and our conversation will be a live Q and A. I like that a lot. Did you like that? I love it. I love it. Cause I would love to hear some of these conversations, you know, with, with people, of course, who are comfortable with that. But I just, I, I really like that idea because I think it would la- allow people to hear some useful stuff as, as a, as a bystander or like a, like a, an overhearer of the conversation. Yeah. 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 And I mean, you know, sometimes these things get personal mm-hmm. and sometimes they don't, but you know, the more important thing is too, sometimes somebody has a question and I start to answer it and they go, no, no, no. What I meant was, and, and then I Oh, okay. And then we shift. And when somebody sends an email or even leaves a message on the queue line, if we get it wrong, they don't get a chance to correct it. Right. So we don't, we don't narrow in. So anyway, if, if you've thought about sending a question or posting a question, or, or or you just think that this would be a good thing for us to talk about on the podcast, send the question and let me know that you're open to a phone call and we'll set up a, uh, We'll set up a, a little podcast uh, live Q and A. I think that's cool. And, and the one other thing that I'd add to that is we can always edit after. You know, in other words, people sometimes think whatever happens in oh. this half hour or hour, you know. But we could actually we, we we could just tell people like, hey, you reserve the right to tell us afterwards if you want us to use it. Yeah, and we can also take out your name or change your name, like if you mm-hmm. need to protect some anonymity. So just because we record doesn't mean it goes public. It's absolutely right. It's 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 not live in that sense. Mm-mm. A totally risk-free chance to have a conversation that might turn into a cool podcast. I think it'd be cool. Really, really right. cool. Enough yeah. of that. All right. So that was the only business I had. Okay. So the question uh, asked by Derek on our Facebook group is, what would make a humanistic response to the situation with the Falwells? And I'm going to assume here that people know what that is, but we'll go into it in a second. Are people like the Falwells likely to continue to interfere in the lives of others? <laughs> That's a timely question. Yeah, it's an interesting uh, question. Jerry Falwell Jr. was the was or is uh, I'm not sure. Uh, he has moment. resigned. He has resigned. Okay. Yeah, but I keep seeing. I don't. Yeah, I, I guess he's not going to be the president anymore of Liberty University, where he was for a long time. His father, of course. 
famously sparred with your father, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, I remember meeting Jerry Falwell Jr. at my father's heresy trial. Or Jerry oh, Falwell right? Sr. Jerry Falwell Sr. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. At my dad's heresy trial. Um, I can't believe your dad had a heresy trial. Yes, yes. Uh, it was hilarious. Um, put together by <laughs> Christianity Today magazine. It was a complete joke. But yeah, I, you know, it's funny because I remember meeting Jerry Falwell Sr. And he acted like he cared. You know, he said something about like, you know, this must be hard for you. And I just thought like, you, like he did not strike me as a deeply sincere man. That's all I'll say. Right. And um, moral majority, uh, a, a guy that was all about sort of the, the culture war on the side of, of what he saw as as the Christian faith. Uh, I yeah. say what he saw because it was a very specific kind of Christianity. And we kind of go into that in last week's episode with Holly and Greg about, you know, American Christianity is not necessarily representative of Christianity in general worldwide. But um, very American, much American evangelicalism. And a, he, American evangelicalism. Yeah. And, and the interesting thing about Falwell is he kind of, he and James Dobson, guy who ran something called Focus on the Family. Right. A, a lot of the people that listen to our show be like, who are these people? These were huge people in the 80s and the 90s in, mm -hmm. the, in, in, in the culture wars. And they largely galvanized the evangelical Christian community into the right wing Republican powerhouse that it has been for the last 25 years. Yeah. Yeah. They kind of uh, made um, evangelicalism synonymous in many ways with the right. Yeah. And, and, and sort of created this base that is now Donald Trump's primary group, you know, mm -hmm. and, and so, and, and that may in the, in, depending on what happens in the election in November, that may finally sort of cease to have the kind of power that it has wielded for the last three decades, um, or maybe four decades. I don't know. It's been a long time. It's fascinating, really. It's a it's a fascinating history. I remember when when Jerry Falwell Sr. died, Christopher Hitchens went on Sean Hannity's show on Fox and was very uh, blunt about what he thought about Jerry Falwell Sr. Yeah, there was and, no there was no speak no ill of the dead. Yes, yes, yes. And it was a very interesting. It's a very you may find it humorous to watch that that, that little clip because it's just a little cultural. Um, fr there's a little cultural friction right there. But yeah, uh, so w when did Junior? When did Jerry Falwell Junior? Uh, have you ever met him? No, no. Okay, when and did he take over at Liberty? I, that's a great question. I mean, he because he's been there for a while. But, but would it be fair to say that Jerry Falwell Junior was every bit as as much of a firebrand, every bit as much of like um, in the in the right column politically and, and all of that, and a Trump a Trumpster nowadays and all of that. Yes, politically he is. I mean, he was a lawyer, and his brother um, is uh, his brother is Jonathan Falwell, and when Jerry died, he was the leader of Liberty University, and he was also the pastor of the Thomas Road Baptist Church. And Jonathan Falwell inherited the church and Jerry Falwell Jr. became the president of Liberty University. That was in 2007 when his dad died. And, um, and Falwell Jr. 
in evangelical circles is is cons- was considered kind of an untouchable because not just so much because of the legacy of of being the son of this evangelical royalty, but he took Liberty University, which was sort of struggling under his mm-hmm. father, um, that was going to be this you know powerhouse that would produce Christian champions for the for the world to change the world, and he turned it into a powerhouse. And it became a huge university, one of the, you know, a really big school with a huge um, distance learning component and tons of money and kind of a huge, what they would call, I think what the word is, it's an unencumbered or an undesignated um, endowment, which means that they could invest in real estate. They could invest in all kinds of things. And so- you know, a lot of people that are associated with that university say, see, they, the, Falwell's been able to use that university's endowment as a kind of a personal slush fund, not, not necessarily to, to make money, but to invest in things that he wants to promote and to help friends. And, and you know, because it's all about returning on investment for the school. But yeah, it's a crazy, it's a crazy yeah. story yeah. because he builds this school up in huge ways. Uh, and, and he does become very political, very, very Republican political, but he didn't really become the, the kind of the hugely prominent evangelical political force until Trump. Yeah. His um, endorsement of Trump was huge. Right. It was, it was massive. Yeah. Uh, and I remember Trump, Trump tweeting, you know, how pleased he was to have the endorsement. I'm sure that tweet hasn't aged well, given the past week's news. Although, uh, I mean, Trump's probably like, why couldn't I watch too? Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, but, but, um, so, so the, the essential story, I don't think we need the details necessarily, but a a pool boy who was 20. Well, no, no, no. See, that's, that's that's not where the story starts. The story starts with because nobody knows about the pool boy nobody knows about like you know the story starts when falwell um tweets this picture of himself with his you know armor around this woman with her shirt pulled up this young woman and her pants undone and he's got his pants undone and his shirt pulled up and he's holding a drink and uh (laughs) And it's, it's clearly like, they're just joking around, but like they're joking around on the huge mega yacht of Rick Hendrick, the NASCAR owner and big Liberty donor. And he tweets this out and immediately people are like, what? Cause you know, Liberty is this tight nip, tight lip place where, you know, you're not supposed to do anything uh, of sexual uh, deviance and no drinking allowed. The rules for students are insanely conservative. Yes. No drinking, no sexual banter, you know? And so here he is, you know, doing this and, um, he, he says, Hey, the drink is just a prop. Like that's just, you know, colored water. And, uh, she's my wife's assistant and, uh, it was all in fun. And, uh, (laughs) very quickly, you know, I promise my kids, I'll be a good boy from now on. Just, really creepy stuff. And uh, so at that point, he takes a leave of absence. And I think this is where the pool boy turned entrepreneur Mm -hmm. um, who ended up 
turns out had a million point eight uh, investment from Falwell and his wife in in a youth hostel. Uh, Somewhere in Florida, I think. Yes, yes. And it turns out the youth hostel was a den of iniquity. Um, but um, <laughs> yeah, so this guy comes comes to Reuters. And now, this says, guy was, was 20 years old when he met them, apparently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think he was, this, a pool, he was a pool boy at the time. He was, yeah. a pool, he was a pool boy at the Fontainebleau Hotel, a fancy hotel in, in Florida. The Falwell mm-hmm. stayed there. They struck up a friendship. and um, It sounds and, like a, an intimate friendship. Well- and, and and what's interesting is 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 the only thing that's at issue. There's no issue whether or not they had an, whether or not he had uh, a sexual relationship with Becky Falwell, Falwell's wife, right. who by the way is not like some shrinking violet. She's a Republican operative too, and gives speeches and is you know very Trumpy herself. Right, right. And right. Uh, so she, it turns out. I guess he must have seen that Falwell's star was falling and he wanted to cash in before it was too late. So he says to Reuters, look, I've got all these reports. I got all these photographs. I've got all this stuff. Like I had this affair with the Falwells. And he says that the affair entailed him having sex with Falwell's wife while Falwell sat in the corner and watched. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that this happened often, like multiple times a year for years and years and years. Yeah, and there's one record uh, there, there's one recording of, of a phone conversation between the three of them where Becky Falwell was saying that this young guy, um, I'm trying to think what his name is, um, that he has a new, he's been posting about a new girlfriend and she's like, I'm jealous. And Jerry says, yeah. you're, you're making her jealous, man. You know, and then he's <laughs> like, there's really no way to square this conversation with Falwell's claim, which is, yes, my wife had an affair. I knew nothing about it. I wasn't involved at all. I forgave her. We've we've put our, our our relationship back together. The problem is he's now extorting us, and the reason I'm revealing that I, that my wife had an affair and resigning is because I want to save the university and my family from the predations of this uh, of this extortion guy. Man, what a mess! So it is a mess. Yeah, a real a real mess. And that is why our friend Derek says, "Hey, when you see." a right-wing evangelical Christian asshole get in trouble. Cause fall has been a jerk. Like he's, he's a rate, he's done racist stuff. He's, he's sexist stuff. He's done a lot. He's, he's definitely anti secular people. Um, mm-hmm. He's, he, you know, all those things that you think like Christians come in all varieties, but there's this one kind that's really nasty. You're like, yeah, this is the nasty kind. Yeah, exactly. Almost uh, a figurehead of the nasty kind. So then, what, what what do you do when you're a nice, friendly humanist, and you see just a jerk representation of a jerky form of Christianity? Like their life blows up. And yeah, and John, I, what a, do you what do you do? <laughs> well, I mean, because I know what you do. Well, I you can tell by my chortling over here that I I I do feel a certain amount of Schadenfreude. You know, I mean, I, I'm I am aware that this is not a charitable response. You know, and I'm not sure whether it's humanistic or not. But I'm just being honest about what I feel on the inside, which is I, I don't feel sorry for this guy uh, or his wife. I don't think they deserve a charitable response from anybody, um, especially not people like me. What do you think? Well, I mean, I feel, I mean, obviously I, I find the whole thing amusing. 
he represents this kind of self-righteousness where, where, and by the way, I, I'm not like, if you want to be freaky, like if you want to watch your wife have sex with somebody else, I get that. Like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, the, 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 I don't have a problem. No, no. The activity itself is not anything, you know, is, is not any problem. You know, Dan, Dan Savage, the uh, sex columnist had a, a very, I mean, he's just amazing at like very short thoughts that are, that just galvanize everything. And he, he tweeted out, screw as I say, not as I screw. <laughs> <laughs> and and that that and that says it because the thing is is that like I'm not mad at Jerry Fall for being a freak. I'm mad no. at him for having made a career of making other people feel awful and That's excluded right. and terrible and not even for such freakiness just like just for being gay. Yes. Just just for having sex with somebody that they love before they marry them. Just right. right. Just for enjoying their body and posting a picture of themselves in a bikini. Yeah. And, you know, so once I get over this sort of um, arguably childish first response, which is just to laugh at it, the article I would like to read on it is about monogamy and the religious right and about, you know, the, the, the sexual norms of the of the right and how it plays into our society in general and, and all that kind of stuff, because I think that's very interesting. But I, but in the meantime, you know, what would make a humanistic response to this situation? I guess I don't think there's any incompatibility between not being upset, let's just put it that way, that he's been caught literally with his pants down. But also, how do we think about this situation as far as like how it's going to affect the culture or how does it affect that community that really you know, there are a lot of very good people, as we know, who are adherents to to the Christianity of the Falwells, and who are, you know, yeah. they're. they're I mean, these, and, are, and, these are their leaders. And and a few points on that. First yeah. of all, like I talked to my dad about this yesterday. I was like, "Whoa! Like, at least we're not Jerry Falwell Jr. and his family, huh?" And my right. dad said, "I feel so bad about that. I feel so sad for him." And I was like, "I don't." And my dad was like, "His children." his family. Right. Like, and I thought, oh, okay. Like I'm sort of there until I read that like his son was on the plane with Trump's fixer, Roger Cohen going to like retrieve photographs. And I'm like, okay, his, like, his, his son's already <laughs> in. Um, but, but I understand my dad's instinct of like, what if you're Becky Falwell's mother? Right. You and know, that what, is characteristically empathetic of your dad. Yeah. But, and, uh, yeah. And I, and, and I think, I think there's, I think there's truth in that, that, that that's where schadenfreude, if it was just coming down on this person who sort of has it coming, but we're all, we're all connected to webs and networks. I'm sure Jerry Falwell Jr. has a grandchild somewhere. Um, and yeah. And your dad had a, your dad seemed to have a respect for Jerry Falwell Sr. Even while disagreeing. In other words, he recognized him as a fellow believer and all that as, even though it was a very different kind of belief. Right. So it's almost like, you know. And what's I, funny, I, what's funny yeah. is like, I don't know. Like if it turned out that Jerry Falwell Jr. didn't believe in God at all, I wouldn't be surprised in the least. Me either. You know, I mean, th this is a business. I mean, you know, he's going to walk away from, I just read today, he's going to walk away with this deal with a, with a retirement package. Like ten, $10 million. $10 million. Because... And, and, and they could take it away from him if they fired him for cause, but they're letting him resign. Like they want it to go away. Right. And it's just, it's just, 
dirty as hell and it's all under this nonprofit not like like American taxpayers are getting cheated somewhere you know mm-hmm. okay so so there's the whole thing my dad's like I'm sorry for him because of his family okay and I go like okay I, I get that and then he goes like and I'm sorry for him for like the disfavor that he brings upon our movement you know on mm-hmm. Christianity and I was like dad he's not your movement like that's the whole point is that you know you're you're one of these people who believes that Jesus is calling you to love the poor and care for the needs of others. And he's over there like trying to amass political power and economic strength. I'm like, I mean, this is the whole Trump thing where they say that the evangelical Christian community is lined up with Trump. And my dad and his buddies are all over there, Shane Claiborne and all these people are over there going like, not us, not us. And I'm like, yeah, whatever you are, call yourselves red letter Christians, call yourself whatever you are, you know, your movement is the movement of people that actually believe in God and that follow the teachings of Jesus in as much as they encourage them to be loving and kind and forgiving and nice to the poor. That's a really small movement. And those are not the people that are lining up with Trump. Right, right. And so in some sense, I was like, Dad, you should be celebrating because this further differentiates. Between, you know, like like the, these people are sucking they're dragging you down with them. So like if they get separated off and they and they get in trouble, you should be happy. Yeah. He was like, I sort of get what you're saying. But he said, mm-hmm. he said, it just, he said, I just wonder, you know, with Falwell, Bill Hybels at Willow Creek and mm-hmm. all these Christian leaders getting caught in sexual sin, like, like what's, what, what's going to happen to Christianity? I was like, dad, Christian ministers have been getting in trouble sexually forever. Mm-hmm. It's the oldest story in the world. And I said, like, it never stops anybody. Like, there's always an, <laughs> you know, and, and so our friend Derek says, like, do you think we'll be troubled by people like that again? And I'm like, of course we will, Derek. There will be a new one coming right behind him. Mm-hmm. They, f- they fit into a niche in the e- emotional ecosystem of our world. That's a good way to put it. There will always be people for, th- as long as there is a market of gullible people who feel good when they're better than other people and when they have the truth and other people don't have the truth and when they are righteous and other people are doomed to hell as long as those people exist leaders will emerge to serve them and and and, and to fleece them yeah so when, when people are like this re- this could this is the beginning of the end for american evangelicals i'm like don't don't even you know yeah don't, <laughs> don't count on it <laughs> I've, I've heard that before and, you know read your yeah. elmer gantry <laughs> they just keep coming yeah, no, it's 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 fascinating. So, okay, to, so to to more directly answer the question, what do you think is a humanistic response to this? Well, you know, one time I, I remember I was uh, back in my Christian days. I was I was driving some kids up to a retreat, and we got to a, a, a an exit on the turnpike. And and in Pennsylvania, you actually have to pay money to use the highway. It's you know, it's a it's a toll road, mm-hmm. and you pay the toll as you get off. And I get off at this exit, and I realize I should have gotten off at the next exit. So if I get off, I'm going to have to pay the toll, then get back on and then pay the toll again. But there's a place where I can make a U-turn. So I, I, I quickly make a U-turn and get back on the highway without paying the toll because I'm going to pay it at the next exit. And the young woman sitting next to me said, oh, Bart, you broke the law. Can a Christian make it? Can a Christian break the traffic law? <laughs> and I said, evidently. <laughs> you know, like, like, I just did. 
You know, and I said, that's not the question. What you're asking is like, <laughs> can a proper Christian or is it, is it, is it Christianly correct to do that? I said, but like the question, yeah. and you say, so like, what's a humanistic response? My, my, yours and my response, which is like, ha ha ha, you loser. That right. is a humanistic response in the sense of that we're humanists and that's how we're responding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The question is what, what's, what, what would be I a guess, more, I guess, Bart, in correct. some, in some, yeah, on some level, I don't. I don't feel like that's my best response. I no. just feel like it's my most honest one and my yeah. most um, my my initial one. You know, and I think that there are, if you really drill down, like we have been a little bit, there are good reasons for that. There are good reasons to feel uh, this way about it. It's not because we're uh, out for ourselves. It's really because we feel like this is a corrosive part of our culture and this, that they, that these people represent it. And you know, so I, I kind of I understand our response. I think what I would say is a rational response and maybe Mm -hmm. even a a humble response would be to ask ourselves why this happened to these people. And I think that if we looked at it really carefully, we would understand that what happened to these people happened to them primarily not because they believe in God, not even because they teach horrible beliefs about God. Um, but rather because there's money and there's power and there's privilege. And the guy who ran um, Uber, who got Mm -hmm. so, you know, and like he's a secular dude and he was corrosive and treated women horribly and lied Mm -hmm. and, you know, Mm -hmm. and I, I don't think this has anything to do with Christianity. I think this has everything to do with capital and power and and political corruption and deal making. And right, but there, there's something that this is that this is, makes it worse because it's because because they it, no. And what I would say is the yeah. hu, the humanistic response the the, mm-hmm. the would be to say no that doesn't make it worse. Like that that that's it doesn't make it worse. It's gotcha. the same. It's the same thing. And and if you look at it, you go like. Wow, this is just another very powerful person who abused their power. And probably the real like sin here isn't that he was watching his wife have sex with a young man. Probably the real sin is that the young man was 20 years old. And like when you're a 40-year-old something couple, you shouldn't take advantage of a of a 20-year-old who might be dazzled by your power or by, by your money or think you, you could help say, yeah. financially. Like, yeah, with a lot of power. Yeah, and, and and a lot of money that obviously the power and money changes that equation a lot. Absolutely, a lot. absolutely. And so you go like, what you say? What happens if it's another millionaire evangelical who's forty years old who's having sex with Becky Falwell while Jerry Jr. watches? And I go like, then it never comes. Like it's not it never comes out. It's not an issue. And I don't. And and if it does come out, I go like, mind your own business, all you people. Like he can do what he wants, and she can do what he wants. Like I don't care. Like mm-hmm. the reason this is creepy has to do with the abuse of power. I'm interested what you think about the hypocrisy. Uh, I see a lot of people online say, you know, what uh, the the you know the sin isn't the act; it's the hypocrisy. And I know Penn Gillette famously uh, says he doesn't care about hypocrisy like he does he's not bothered by hypocrisy really? he thinks everybody everyone everyone is a hypocrite you know in their own way and just because you do do as i say not as i do 
yeah. uh, screw as I say, not as I screw, you know, that, that, um, isn't actually much of a sin. What do you think about that? There was a professor at the University of Pennsylvania, a very famous guy named E. Digby Baltzell, um, mm-hmm. who, who coined the term WASP, white Anglo-Saxon Protestant. I mean, yeah. he's a big time sociologist. Um, Baltzell at one person, at one point, I, 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 somebody told me about a story where somebody accused somebody of being a hypocrite in front of him. And he said, he said, we're all hypocrites. The only question is what are the limits of your hypocrisy? Mm-hmm. You know that, so for instance, I say I care about poor people, but I, I ride a $4,000 bicycle. Yeah. And I could sell that bike and, you know, feed how many children in, in third world nations. And mm-hmm. so you go like, so you're a hypocrite. And I go like, yeah. And you go like, what's the difference between you and Tiger Woods? I'm like, I, his is an $80 million yacht. I would never do that. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> there are limits to my hypocrisy. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's a much better way of saying it. It's like, we're, we're trying to define what our limits are, but the idea that any of us take a breath that isn't stolen from somebody, that we, ever, that we ever take a bite of food that isn't taken out of somebody else's mouth or that isn't sullied in some way in the supply chain, you know, that, that any of your clothes are really, you know, righteous. Yeah. And, and so, do, so, so what distinguishes Falwell's hypocrisy from, from ours? Is it the scope or is it potentially uh, the, the, how blatant it is, how um, and on the money and is. how on the money it is like, you know, you're, you're, you're being an asshole about sexuality, you know, and it's sexual, but of course that's, that has it for almost all the Christians to go down. Jimmy Swagger, Jim, you know, Jim Baker back in the day, um, you know, that, that, Christians are obsessed with controlling each other's sexuality. Absolutely. So, that's, that's why that's the article I want to read about this. Yeah. And, but, but, but so the hypocrisy thing doesn't bother me. The other thing, the reason it doesn't bother me is I grew up in the church and I was a Christian leader. And I knew that if people overheard the conversations that I had with my wife or with my friends, you know, if somebody had a transcript of my private conversations, stuff I'm not even ashamed of, but like it would have ended my career at any tw- at any time. Yes, yes, and so not for good reason, but it would have. Yeah, I just think like I know that if, if somebody said to me, "Aren't you surprised that Jerry Falwell's Jr. like was you know involved in?" No, not in the least. So like, so to me, it's not even hypocrisy. Like I never believed you in the first place. Yes, I don't yes. believe any of them. I don't believe Joel Osteen. I don't believe any of them because the thing that they're, the thing that they are promoting is not, is is an unnatural way of being a human being. So do you think, so to that question, Bart, real quick about authenticity, um, who who is authentic? I mean, so, you know, you're saying, I am, man, don't Don't you know that by now I am. (laughs) Right. I'm telling you. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Well, no, but that's, that's the thing. You know, when, when I meet you, when I meet your dad, you, you guys are the same people largely in private as you are in public. Um, my question would be how many public figures are, are that way? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> it's, I mean, I just find it to be a useful question. Maybe one without an answer. Yeah. I, I think the more famous you get, and the more money you have and the more power you amass, the less likely it is that you're going to be authentic. I mean, mm-hmm. I love Obama. I mean, I loved him all the way through. 
But like, did I really think that I was getting full Obama? Well, the, f- the famous example on that is his position on gay marriage, which at the, when he was first elected was he believes marriage is between a man and a woman. And by, th- by the time he leaves office, you know, he, he believes that. Yeah. And do I really think, do I really think that he, that at the beginning of his term, he was, he believed marriage was no. between them? No, I don't. He did not evolve while in office. He evolved before that, and he was saying what he needed to say politically. And I think the Clintons are very much that way, too. And we were talking about them because of this documentary that's on Hulu about Hillary Clinton. And, you know, again, people can say things politically because they're being strategic. And I guess the thing that matters the most to me, Bart, is are they being strategic for good? Or, you know, know, so, so... I, I don't know. It, it gets complicated, but like to me, it matters why people are doing things too. It does, and and there's no question that Jerry Falwell Jr. and a, and that form of Christianity have been have made life really hard for some secular people we know, and have made mm-hmm. some life really hard for some Christian people we know who don't fit into their kind of Christianity. And so, yeah, I'm happier to see Jerry Falwell Jr. go down and his organization suffer than I am to see like like Uber does Uber hasn't inflicted as much pain on on my particular friends and, and relatives. Right. But the question is, for example, if if um you know, if, if Hillary really did something bad, you know, as far as like her emails or something, like if it was really a shady bad thing and she went down for it would we be as happy? And the answer is probably not because we believe in her mission. Like we believe in the yeah. cause. As, as, yeah. I mean, I certainly, when Al Franken went down. Right, right. A good, I, good I, example. I, I, yeah. You know, and, 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 and it turns out Al Franken probably shouldn't have gone down. Um, you know, I don't, but, I don't think so. But, you know, but, but in, in that moment of frenzy, you, you know, the, the sharks were, they, they just wanted red meat and, and he was there. Um, mm-hmm. But, but yeah, I'm sad when it's somebody on my team. I'm sad when, you know, I'm sad when it's somebody on my team. I'm happier when it's somebody on the other team, but I'm never surprised. And I never think that the reason leaders go down is very seldom intrinsically tied to their movement. So like, I don't think Jerry Falwell's sexual messed upness has anything to do with even his sexual weird ethic that he promoted through Christianity. You know, or, or uh, again, like I think this is abuse of power. I think this is abuse of mm-hmm. money. I think this is, this is a sense of somebody who, who thought that they were, could never be, be touched. I, and I, and yeah. I do think that there's a sense in people that just the psychology of it in the mind of the public, you know, when, when Al Franken went down, he wasn't doing anything that you wouldn't expect a, a secular comedian, you know, to do necessarily. Right. Whereas like Jerry Falwell is directly uh, opposed to the kind of activity, you know, verbally. Yeah, I mean, and, and on some level you could just go like, really, are you that stupid? Did you think you could get away with that? Um, I, I find the, I, yeah, I find the brazenness of it kind of jaw-dropping. But like, you shouldn't. John, you shouldn't. But I, mean, I shouldn't. You've been, you've been around enough polyamorous people and open marriage people right, um, right. to know that like you've been married a certain length of time and your sort of sexuality has settled into a certain kind of comfort zone. Mm-hmm, and you mm-hmm. and you realize, somebody realizes like, ooh, like 
my wife and I, like we've had a co- couple conversations, like we're going to try something different. We're going to flirt with people or we're going to, you know, go to some mm-hmm. club or we're going to, and, and people, when they get that scent in their mouth and in, in their noses, they go crazy. It's just like, it's a, it's a, it's a frenzy and people lose judgment. And so the idea that somebody would say something, you go like, it's almost like he was intoxicated by power or he's intoxicated by the sec- the sexual energy. And you're like, yeah, that's, ex- that's exactly, it's not even like it. They were intoxicated. They were intoxicated. And then the other thing is like, I just wish people would, I mean, it was the same thing with when, when a lot of the ex gay ministries, you know, when they were tr- trying to re- you know, what do they call it? Um, conversion, conversion therapy. therapy. Yeah. Um, when they were claiming, I'm, I'm past this, I'm past this, you know, I, I, I no longer have these feelings and you, you, God will deliver you too. And then it turns out like, ah, nobody was past it. Um, <laughs> I, I, in some ways you just wish on the other side of it. Like I just wish follow would say, Hey, marriage and sexuality are a lot more complicated than, than I was portraying them to be. And it's really none of your business, but the truth is I've learned a lot. And my, you know, this, the kind of uh, puritanical stuff I've been putting out, it, it just it doesn't, it doesn't wash in the, in the, in the, in the reality. It doesn't wash even in my own reality. I mean, that would be mm-hmm. awesome if he would just say like, I don't, I, you know, let, let, let me be really honest with you about, you know, but th- that that's never going to happen. And no. no, nobody expects that to happen. No. Um, but. Okay. I, well, I mean, some I, good, good thoughts. Yeah. There. I just, I just think, I think like. I think that the humanistic thing to do is, is to acknowledge your sense of like, it's, it's their team has a problem. Like, yay, I'm always glad when their team isn't scoring as many points because <laughs> um, their, their team's points hurt me. So like, you're allowed to be happy that their team has a problem. But when you actually look at what it is, you really should step back from it and go, there's nothing going on there that doesn't happen over here too. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and we are all susceptible, um, there, but for the grace of happenstance, go I, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Good, 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 good stuff. All right. Well, listen, I mean, that was a question. I, I again, that was not an answer. That was uh, a response. And we're we not, res- we're not about to, to, to see any, um, sex scandals from you, are we? I, I do not think so. I, I should hope not. Because like, I mean, this is, you know, your, your fathers were sparring partners back in the day, you know, Falwell on the right and Campolo on the left. And uh, now that, you know, this is the son, the son's sex scandal. We're not, we're not about to see a Bart Campolo sex scandal, I assume. I think, I think we're safe. I think we're safe. But, you know, safe okay, mainly good. because not, not, not because, you know, not because I have some... You know, these kind of high and righteous, you know, I, I, I just don't think anyone, I can't get anyone interested in me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're safe. We're safe. We're safe. We're totally safe. All right. Well, thanks, Bart. Thanks. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll catch you next time on Humanize Me. For more on Bart, go to bartcampolo.org. If you like this podcast, please consider supporting it every month and get extra content for it. Go to patreon.com slash humanize me. Our patrons do make the show happen. Follow us at humanize me pod on Twitter and humanize me podcast on Instagram. You can also join other listeners on our private Facebook group. Just search humanize me on Facebook. 
To ask your own question on the show, leave it as a voicemail at 424-291-2092. That's 424-291-2092. And finally, please review us on iTunes. It really helps. Catch you next week. Humanize Me is a production of Jux Media. You could be larger than life You could